Overflow podcast. We pray that you are encouraged with this message. For more information, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hebrews chapter 13, these are kind of our scriptures of, of the series, at least for now. It says this in Hebrews 13, 20, says, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. How many of y'all that God wants to equip you to do his will? And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Everybody say, I'm for God. God's for you, but you're for God. The reason why you're here is not for you. God didn't, God didn't put you on the planet for you. God put you on the planet for him. He enjoys you. Come on, are you with me? Uh, through Christ Jesus, who be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, poema. We are God's poetic masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that's what we talked about last week, man, that we, that God created you specifically. God created you with the things that get on everybody else's nerves. God created you with those things because there's only things that you can do that you're not ever going to get along with somebody 100% of the time because God's created you very specific. You're an individual. So spend your life saying, God, how do I get in to your plan? Now, anytime we're going to go on a journey, in our life, we need something, right? We, we, and this is what we're going to be talking about in this series. We're going to be talking about different things along the journey, kind of illustrating your journey and how you go somewhere. But if you're going to go somewhere, one of the first things that you've got to do is you've got to figure out how am I going to get there? How am I going to get to point B? This, this weekend, we kind of took an impromptu trip to Arkansas to go to a family reunion. Uh, we left on Thursday or Friday, and we came back yesterday, and it was just kind of crazy. And so we didn't just jump in our car and take off and go, we're going to Arkansas. No, 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 no. We sat down and we, we pulled up our map app, right? And we, we got on there and we figured out how long is it going to take? How far is it? What city am I going to turn in? All these type of things. Well, years ago, if you were going to go on trips, and some of you guys remember this, uh, you had to go out and get a thing like this. This is, this is what's called a map. Okay. And uh, when I was a kid and we would go on trips, I would, I would always pull out the map. And, you know, what, the bad thing about a map is once you unfold it from its original form, you can never get back the way it was. You don't, we don't have to unfold it, baby. You're good. And so I remember going down the highway and with my finger, right, the GPS, right, going down the Okay, we're, we're in this city, right? We're in this city. I remember as a kid when we go on road trips, I'd always wanted to have the map in my hand because I wanted to know how the journey was going. I want to know where we're going, how we're going to get there, and you would map it out. I remember whenever I, I moved to the Metroplex in 1994 uh, to go to college, which will tell some of y'all how old I am, I, I would, we, when you were going to go somewhere in the Metroplex, you didn't pull out your phone. In fact, you didn't even have a phone. If you wanted a phone, you had to go to the end of the hall uh, and, and, and call it because we didn't have one in our dorm room. And so what you would do is you'd go get on that phone. you put quarters in there. Isn't that weird? You, you, it was prepay, right? You had to put the quarter in first and pick up your phone. And you call the place that you're going to. You say, okay, this is where I'm at. How do I get there? And you'd pull out this thing called paper. 
and, and a thing called a pin. And you would, yeah, kind of like what's on the seat back in front of you. And you would write down, okay, what exit do I take? And they would tell you then, how many of y'all remember doing this? You know, okay, and then it's going to be like the third building. And they would start telling you all these things. And then if you were smart, you would have like one of these books that, that had, was full of maps. You guys remember those? You had to go and you had to, you had to pay money for it, an atlas. And, uh, but they would have them specific for the city. And then they were always changing because they were building new roads. And you would get on that map because you knew if you were going to go on a journey, if you were going to go somewhere, you had to know where it was and how to get there. You had to know which roads to take, right? Nowadays, we don't have maps anymore, really. I mean, we do, but now they're all, they all look like this. They, they all look like on your phone, right, your, your app on your phone. Now, nowadays, and I saw this the other day, so the, the way that maps were built back in the day is they had this guy called a, a cartographer, and what he would do, or a cartographer, and he would go out, and he would cartography or something like that, and he would go out, and he would, he would survey the land. He would go on the journey first and figure out how you're getting there, and he would write that down. And these were the people that created maps, and they sold maps, and they made money. It was a lucrative business, and they would do this. Now we have satellites, and we have these cars that drive around. In fact, I saw this car the other day. We got that, Albert. All right, it's a little Google car, and it drives around town, and it's just taking pictures of everything. It's going around, and it's taking all these uh, images, and then other companies are buying all the, all the images and all the maps from Google, right? And then they're sending them to your phone. So, but you would never go somewhere that you've never been without a map. It would be foolish, correct? How many of y'all would agree? Oh, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go to Paris, Arkansas, where we went. See, you guys, don't have a phone, don't have a map, don't have anything. I'm just going to go. And, or, or, or some of you spiritual people, you'd be like, well, I'm just, the Lord will, will lead me. The Lord will get me there, right? And you just kind of go out, and you're, you're going, and the next thing you know, you end up in Ohio, Right? And why, why, why is it important to have a map? Because you need to know where you're going and how to get there. Now, listen, God not only created you for a journey, God actually gave you a map for that journey. He gave you a God to say, this is how you get to Paris, Arkansas. Here's the map. This is how you get there. And that map is something that we take advantage of every day that it's either collecting uh, dust on a bookshelf or it's an app that hasn't been accessed since last Sunday, and it's called your Bible. Your Bible. Everybody say my Bible. Now, today's going to be very practical. I hope you're okay with that. I know that that's hard. I know you're thinking, oh, man, Josh, this is going to be a struggle for you. You're, you're correct. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this. You must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. That's good. That's a good word. We can stop right there. We can build a series right there. Remaining faithful to the things that you've been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have been given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God, and useful to teach us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong in my life. We like to get the Word of God and kind of work around those parts that says what's wrong in my life. Well, this is the way I am, so. Right? Move that one out of the way. Ignore that one. No, 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 no. We need to know what's wrong in our life. We need to know when we're making a wrong turn. I want to know when I'm making a wrong turn because I don't want to end up in Ohio. 
Come on. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what's right. How do you know what's wrong and what's right? My conscience, no. My feelings, no. My experience, no. The Word of God. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, uh, uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. So God gave you the Word of God, what for? To fulfill your destiny, to do every good work, to not only know what's wrong and what's right, those things are important, but also to fulfill your destiny, to go, to know where you're going and know how to get there. So I want to talk today about four realities of God's Word. Four realities of God's Word, because we do everything in realities here, because it's the reality of Jesus that we're trying to encounter. So these are realities about God's Word. Check this out, Psalm 119, 105. I remember singing this song in church when I got saved. It says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet, a lamp to guide my feet, and a light for my path. I'm quoting it wrong, because I sung it, Thy Word is a lamp. Anybody ever heard that song before? Yeah, Benny over here. Come on, Benny. We know. We know what's up. We we be singing that all all day, right? Okay. So anyway, we took out the thighs because that throws us off. But it says, "Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path." So God's word is not only the road map, not only shows the way, but it's actually the light that shows us where the road is. Come on, are you with me? Uh, Psalm 119, where this is taken from, is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's dead center in your Bible, and you know what that chapter is about? The Word of God. The Word of God is the most important thing in your life. Without it, your prayer life stinks. Oh, man, prayer. Prayer is more important than the Word. How would you even know how to pray if you didn't have the Word? Right? Prayer is at the core of our belief system. It is, it is unshakable. If you, if, you want to become, if you won't become a person of the Word, if you won't become a Word, but listen, you can read blogs all day long. You can read self-improvement. But if you do not become a person of the Word, you will f- not fulfill God's destiny for your life. It is ignorant for you to ignore the, your Bible every day. Ignorant. Everybody say ignorant. It's okay to say that. It's ridiculous for you to have the power in your hand, in your stinking pocket, all the time we're going, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Be praying for me. Be praying for me. I just bounce so discouraged. You got it like right there. It's all, all you need, really. Come on, are you with me? To know where you're going. Listen, okay, so first of all, in realities, number one, God's word is his objective standard. It's his objective standard. God's word is the standard. Everybody say the standard. It's not a standard. It's the standard. God's word is the standard. With the word, you don't stand in perplexity and ask, is this right for me or is this wrong? You don't engage in a moral tug of war because God has removed the necessity for conflict on this particular issue. He has given you undebatable guidance. When we, that's why whenever we have discussions, when we have debates, what do we, what do we use? What do we use? The Word. Why do we use the Word? Because it's the authority. It's what God has said. And when God says it, it settles it. Right? We used to say that. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Right? And we need to live like that. That God's Word is enough. And if my life isn't, isn't lining up, or if my situation isn't lining up, then I need to start praying those things in. Because the Word says it, that's good enough for me. 
And I know that there can be some ignorance attached to that sometimes and people just throw out their mind. No, no, no. You need to become a student of the word. Not saying that you don't need to study other things. Not saying that you don't need to bring some other things in that to highlight that word. But don't try to get out of it. What? See, unlike your, we we were driving back from from Arkansas yesterday, and we decided to take a different route, ride a more scenic route. (laughs) Well, we all know how that goes. So I enter the destination on my phone, and I miss a little turn here. Then it starts taking me in a whole different route. I don't want to go. I'm looking at my app. I'm going, whoa, 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 wait a second. I keep having to reset it. You guys know how it is. You set that location into your map, and you pull up, and you're like, here I am. And you're not there, right? Stupid map. Right? Well, first of all, you wouldn't even be in the vicinity if it wasn't for your map, so calm down, right? But your map, that map sometimes will lead you astray. Listen, God's word is objective. It doesn't change. It doesn't change with, with culture, it doesn't change with your feelings. It doesn't change with your circumstances. All those things are cha- things that are changing. God's word doesn't change. This is why we can build our life upon it. The word is reliable, solid, and unchanging. Experience and emotions are great. However, we all have different experiences and different emotions. So charting our journey based upon experience and emotion is a bad idea. Oh, this is the way I see it. This is the way I've experienced it, so this is the way it is. It's a bad idea because that might change tomorrow. You might have a completely different experience than I do. The good thing about basing your life upon the Word of God is it's God's way and it doesn't change. Are you all okay? Everybody's kind of giggling a little bit. Did I say something silly? Okay. Listen. So God's Word is reliable, solid, and unchanging. The word, All those things are great. Experience, emotions, all that kind of stuff. It's great, but it's salt. It's, it's meant to enhance your life, not to build your life upon it. We're going to be talking about experiences. I love experiences. I mean, I'm, I'm a mushy guy. I love, man, I love those moments where I'm like crying and I'm like, oh, this was a defining moment of my life. But the thing is, is those things will always change. But there's something that we can build our life. Those, those, are, those are the salt. Those are the seasoning. They're not the meat of life. So because of the word, we know what's right and wrong, not because of what culture says, or based upon our feelings, or what's politically or socially correct, the Word of God is a timeless standard. Culture is shifting. It'll continue to shift. Feelings, they're going to change, all this type of stuff. But listen, God's Word is the unchanging truth. God's Word is the absolute truth. Either it is or it isn't. This is the deal, is culture is always changing, right? So we can decide, we can say, say okay, do I want to please God according to his standard? Do I want to embrace his standard? Or do I want to appease the culture? Please God or appease the culture. You can't do both. This is why Jesus said the world will hate you. The world will hate you. All this stuff, all this backlash on the church right now, it's, Scripture tells us it's going to happen. It's not because we're wrong. I'm not saying that we haven't done some things wrong. We have. We've probably brought some of that on ourselves, But the world, the way that Jesus set up, the world's going to hate us. I mean, we're bringing a gospel to people that says this. You're not good enough. You need Jesus. That's offensive. The gospel is offensive. It offended me. Um, what, I'm not good enough? No, you're not good enough because this is God's standard. So here's Jesus, the standard met in you. So my life is now hidden in Christ. Right? You like that? 
good. So I want to please God, not appease the culture. Not saying that we don't need to be culturally relevant, but relevance is not our goal in the kingdom. It's not our goal. Jesus is central. Jesus is relevant to whatever needs. Someone needs has sickness, Jesus is healing. Right? Someone's empty, Jesus is fulfilling. Jesus relevance will just revolve around him if we get the real thing. I love what Paul says, Galatians 1.10. He says, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. We didn't get into this thing so people will like us. I like people like, dude, I hate that. I hate when people don't like me. I hate when, hate disagreeing. I hate that tension. I'm like, would you please just like me? Let me package it in a way. Right? That's not the goal of my life. My goal of life is to please God. And sometimes that'll make people happy. And sometimes it'll make them really mad. Just like Jesus. So can the scriptures be trusted? Um, let me just say this, a few things about that. This isn't an apologetic message, uh, but we have provided for you guys a little article in the notification section of the app. If you guys want to read that, if you're like, oh man, how can we know the Bible can be trusted? There's a little article we put in there, and I encourage you to, to study that out. I've settled that issue in my life. I encourage you to settle you, that issue in your life. Let me just say this, that there is not a single shred of evidence that the scripture we use today are not reliable. Quite the contrary. All the evidence that we ever find based upon scriptural, archaeological evidence, all points to the reliability of scripture. All, nothing has ever disproven the Bible. The Bible's never, if anybody ever says that, that's a lie. It's not true. Do your research. Do your homework. Right? Read more blogs than one. <laughs> right? Or do some of your own research. Get you, get you a shovel and a pickaxe or something. All right. Right. Um, the other thing is this. Well, Scripture has contradictions. There's no contradictions in Scripture. There's contradictions in people's understanding. There's contradictions in people's quote-unquote interpretation. But there's, Scripture has no uh, contradictions. In fact, Scripture actually brings light to Scripture. Um, and again, just I would encourage you guys, if, if, that, if that's an issue for you, can I trust the Bible? Read that article. There'll be more. I can, I can shovel you more. Get with someone that's really smart like Nathan Hernandez who can kind of point you in direction and, and things like that that, w- that will help you in your, in your uh, pursuit of apologetics. We're not doing that today. Uh, we might do that sometime, but we're not doing that today. Um, I decided not to go that direction with today's message because I, th- I think most of us have the buy-in that we believe Scripture is the Word of God. Are you with me? Okay, so Scripture doesn't change. It's God's objective standard. Number two is the Word aligns our thinking. See, we have something broken us, our brain, right? Uh, if people, people say this, well, that's brainwashing. Thank God. I need a brainwashing. Now, I don't need you to brainwash me. I need God to brainwash me because my brain is a dark place sometimes. My brain is jacked up. I have questions just like you have questions. I have bad answers just like you have bad answers. I have, I have uh, disturbing and dark thought processes sometimes just like you do. We all have this thing with our mind that we need it to be fixed, right? It might be a physical, uh, medical thing. It might be a spiritual thing inside your brain, but you need to, your thinking needs to be enhanced 
You need the washing of the word as according to Ephesians 5.27 says, says that, 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 that God is, is renews our mind with the washing of the word. Listen, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person. You want to be a new person? It starts with your brain. Jesus, what was, the, what was the place that Jesus died on? Golgotha. What is Golgotha? The place of the skull. The battle always happens there first. The battle's always first in the mind. Repentance, change of mind. You've got to change your thinking before you change your heart. It's just the way it works. So it will transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Come on, I need that. I need to change the way I think. Then... Why? For what person? Why do I need to change the way I think? Then you will learn to know what God's will for you is. That good, pleasing, and perfect will. I want the good, pleasing, and perfect will. In order to have that, I need the renewed mind. I need a mind, the mind of Christ. I need a mind that has been washed by the word. I need a mind that knows God, that can comprehend God's thoughts. You say, oh, no man. Actually, Scripture says this in the New Testament when everybody quotes Isaiah that says that no one can know the mind of God. Paul says it this way, but God has revealed it by his Spirit. So under the new, And we're going to talk about the Spirit uh, here in a couple of weeks. But, but God is giving you a new mind so you can comprehend the things of God, so you can understand God's will. That's very old covenant. It says, well, we just, God's such as this, this off-base mystery that nobody gets. And, you know, well, sorry, sorry, you're just going to have to live life without understanding. You're just going to have to live life without wisdom and knowledge. And you're going to have to live life without that. Not me. Because he's revealed it by his spirit. And that's the life I'm pursuing. So, we need a good brainwashing. You with me? By the word. Not by you. Come on, not by me. You need a brainwashing by the Word of God. How do you do that? How do you wash something? Right? Whenever I get like a, a stain or something on my shirt, right, I'm eating something and I get like some ketchup or, you know, like some mustard on there. Mustard's hard to get out. Do I get I pull out a little, you know, a little dab and, dang it, right? I mean, you know, sometimes I don't do, the, do good. I need the washing. I need to take that bad boy off and spray some of that, Shout on there, shout, shout it on there. Let it sit there for a couple of hours, put it in the washer, right, and then get it out, and then, and then it's washed, right? It's not just spot cleaned, it's washed. And you need a washing. I need a washing. Come on, a washing, as those people in Arkansas yesterday would say, a washing. You need a good washing of the word and a brain washing. Okay, come on. All right, so number number one. Is God's word is his objective standard. Number two, God's word aligns our thinking. And number three, the word reveals God's ways. Everybody say God's ways. Now listen, the best way to know God's will is to understand his ways. You understand the way God is. Well, no one can understand. We've already dealt with that. You got the spirit. Check this out. Psalms 36.9. Now, how many of y'all would say Moses knew God's ways? I mean, Moses, like, led the people. How? Why? Because he had that relationship with God. So it says this in Psalm 36, 9. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I got ahead of myself. It's in Psalm 103, verse 7, it says, He made his ways known to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. So the children of Israel knew what God did. They were like, yeah, 
God did that. But Moses had the inside scoop. He knew God's ways. So the reason why he was able to lead people on a journey is because he knew the way that God functioned. He spent time with God. And when you spend time with God, you learn about his ways. Leslie Leslie and I can communicate, not really well, but we can communicate without saying anything, with a look. Why? Because we've spent time with one another, and we know one another's ways. I know when she's upset. So I preach over here. Right? It's that look. And, and, And as you spend time with people, you're able to pick up the things that they're not saying. Right? They're communicating without communicating. Why? Because you learn their ways. With Leslie and, 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 Ju- and uh, Uriah, you know, he's a baby, and certain cries sound a certain way. I don't, to me, he's just crying. It's irritating. But for her, she knows, like, he's hungry. He's hurt. He's tired. She knows the cry. Why? Because she spent so much time with him. She has learned his ways. So Moses knew the ways of God. That's the way he was able to lead God's people. Listen, you don't study a map to know where something is. Simply to know where something is. My bad. Simply to know where something is. About, about but, but, but you, where it is, but to know how to get there. That's the reason why you study a map. Not to just know, oh, yeah, it's up there. No, no, no. You study a map because you want to know how to get there. So you study it. You don't study the Bible to know the Bible. You don't study the Bible so you can have a good argument. You don't study the Bible to be puffy with knowledge. You study the Bible to know God. That's why you study the Bible. Because when you study the Bible, it teaches you the way God is. This is why the Scripture is powerful. It's not just because it's a great historic book, which people have been basing history upon for millennials. No, no, no. You have this great, incredible book, not just as a reference point for history and and have this cool map and go look at my map. No, no, no. You have that so you can know God, so you can know the author. Psalm 36, 9 says, uh, with you is a fountain of life, and in your light we see light. In the word, it lights up what it lights up. Scripture interprets Scripture. So you, you don't know that if you just have your verse. I got my little verse here. Oh, live my life on this verse. Nothing wrong with having your verse. You need to have your verse. That's great. But listen, that's not enough for you. You don't need to just know a verse. You need to know the one whose idea it was that for you to have the verse. The verse is to provoke you to a greater understanding, a revelation. In his light, there is light. The, the key to discovering your destiny is not in finding yourself. You're going to look for a long time to find yourself. Then I found myself. I'm not trying to find myself. I'm trying to lose myself. I'm I'm trying to lose Josh Brown. I'm trying to get rid of Josh Brown. I want to be who God has called me to be. I want my life to be hidden. I want to be dead. Or I can just justify my actions that God disapproves of. And God does disapprove of unholy things. You can find that in the Word. You can find that out about His nature. So then we get to this. So we, we, we get this understanding. This is the way God is. So what happens is, is we get into this kind of thought pattern sometimes. Well, there's things in my life that aren't in the Bible. Right? What job to take? The direction, the, the specifics. Your job 
this is the way it used to be. I remember pulling out those maps, and I would go to a town, right? I would know how to get to the town because I had the map. When I get to the town, I didn't know where the drugstore was that I needed to go to. So what did I do? I get out, do what men hate to do, go into the, go into the gas station or some local business, and I go, hey, do you know where the drugstore is? Like, oh, yeah, you're just going to go down here. You know, there's going to be three cows sitting there. They're always sitting there. You just want to turn right there, and it'll be down about half a mile on your left. Right? So the word is going to get you in the direct vicinity, and then whenever you get in that area, you can start digging around and finding out the details of where you need to be specifically. And we're going to deal with some of those specifics later as we move along in this series. But the word will get you to the general place that you need to be. What happens is this, is the Word of God develops in us a framework for understanding God's nature. Then all of a sudden, you don't have chapter and verse. You're just going, that's God. And you know it's God. Why? Because you've acquainted yourself with His nature. You spent time with Him. You know how He functions. I'm a graphic designer. And so when I design things sometimes, people that that don't know the person I'm designing for. I've, I had Chris Estrada, a friend of mine. He went to this church, and uh, he came back, and we were talking about the church. He's like, you designed the logo for this church in Louisiana. I was like, I did. I was like, how would you know? He's like, I could just tell, man. I know your work. He knows my ways. Right? He knows how I function. And so when we learn God by his word, by this great grid that he's given us, by this, this uh, framework, then what happens when things start happening in our life, we can point to the Word and go, it's just like what he did with the children of Israel. All of a sudden, you have this framework. But listen, if you don't spend time in the Word of God, you won't develop the framework. You've got to spend When I hear this all the time. Man, I just don't hear Jesus speaking. How much time are you spending in the Word? Uh, you know, like, you know, not as much as I want, need to. We all say that. None of us spend as much time in the Word as we need to. Let's just get over the condemnation already. Let's just forget that. People ask me that all the time. Oh, I just, man, I just have a hard time hearing what God's saying. Like, man, how much time are you spending in the Word? <sighs> Not as much as I need to. I know that. But how much time? Oh, like, you know, like, like two chapters a week. That is not enough for you to get a grid for understanding of the way God speaks. Are you with me? You've got to learn how He speaks. Then when those situations come in, you're going, that's kind of like this. Peter, I wasn't going to share this this week, but on the day of Pentecost, and we'll, we'll v- visit this again in a later series, Peter on the day of Pentecost, all this stuff's happening, people are speaking in tongues, and you know, this fire's falling, and he goes, hey, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel, remember? He starts quoting Joel chapter 2, he's like, this, this is what happened. And Joel, how did he have that? He knew the scriptures. So when God starts doing things in your life, you're going to go, that's God. How do you know it's God? Because you familiarized yourself with his ways. You know how God works. Are you with me? That's why it says Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. doesn't just say let the word of Christ dwell in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Get in the word. You don't need to read another blog. And you use that preacher meme, get out of the Facebook and get in his book, right? Right, we've seen that, man. Right? Ooh. 
please don't put that out there that I said that. But, but, but it's for real. I mean, how much time are we spending reading all this other crud and we're ignorant of what the Word of God says? Get in there and don't just li- don't read it like a textbook. Oh, I'm reading through my Bible this year. That's great. Read through your Bible. But make sure that you have some time where you can just allow the Word to read you. Where you just sit there with the Word of God and you start praying it and you, and you just allow it to become alive. Don't, don't, it's great to settle, set goals, all that kind of thing. I used to read my Bible through every year. Like, it's good to have those spiritual disciplines. You need those in your life. But what I found is that it wasn't life-giving to me. I was just reading through. I don't want to read this. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now what I'm doing is I'm getting to like a book. And I'm like, oh, that's good. The next day, I'm reading the same thing. What's happening? I'm allowing the Word of Christ to dwell in me richly. I'm developing a relationship with what God has said. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.16, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? Here it is. No one can know. But we understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. There it is. You have the mind of Christ. You can understand God's ways. You can know when God is speaking. You can know when God is acting. You can know that. Why? Because you've developed a relationship with God, and you've learned how he speaks. You've got to go to the word to get that. Because if you're just kind of searching, I'm just going to go with whatever I feel in prayer, it's probably going to be really flaky and really off. Because you haven't learned what God says objectively. You just learned what you think God is saying. And you have nothing to base that in. But whenever you develop that grid, that foundation of understanding, if this is the way that God really is, then when I'm praying, God speaks to me. I'm like, that does sound like God. I think that is the Lord. And then you go talk to somebody, they're like, yeah, I said that the other day. And then look at the scripture. Oh, yeah, it is in the Bible. Have you ever done that before? Like you knew something, and then because you've acquainted yourself with the Lord, and then you go back to the scripture, and you're like, oh, there it is. I didn't know there was a verse for it. But if you would have studied it more, you would have. Then you wouldn't have had to fast for 40 days to get it. Then you could have got something else for that fast. This is the deal. Is patterns produce paths. So by you developing this pattern in your life, it's just like, you know, if I, if I walk every day to Paris, Arkansas, which I don't, but if I did and there was no roads that I was walking on, it was just grass, as I begin to walk on that, the pattern of walking that is going to develop a path that I will know the way to get there because of the path that I've dug out by my continual walking. It's the same way with you in the Word of God. As you develop this pattern in the Word of God, you're going to develop a path, and that is going to become your default. You're not going to be going, oh, man, I just, I'm just not very smart. <laughs> right? Oh, man, I just don't get it. I just don't find Oh, wait a second. I have the mind of Christ. Oh, wait a second. I can't do that. I can't enter into that foolishness because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How do you know that? Because you've familiarized yourself with the word of God and patterns produce paths. So now you have that path to go back to. You're like, oh, now I'm not moved by everything that's going on around me because I've developed my mindset on the foundation of God's word. Are y'all okay? Number four, this is the last one, the word builds our faith. Listen, this journey that you're going to go on is going to take a lot of faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. We develop our faith how? By the word of God. We live by faith, not by sight. We live because 
of what God has established through Christ Jesus. We have to go to that. We have the word, and we build our life upon those things. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If the journey begins with trust, which we talked about last week, and it's his journey, then we must build our faith with the word of God. You've got to have faith for the journey. You've got to have faith for the journey. And then what happens is the word is kind of like this, right? We pull it out, and it talks about this in James uh, chapter 1. It says the word is like a mirror. And so, so we can pull out the word of God, and we can go, I'm doing pretty good. It's just like I pull out that map, and I'm tracking along the way. And I'm going, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm on the right route. I was doing this yesterday. I pull out my app, and I'd look at it. I'm on the right route because this thing keeps changing on me. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in the right route. The word of God does that. You can know that you're in the right place by looking at the word and go, oh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not as screwed up as I thought I was. I'm not, I'm not that far off. I'm actually right where I'm supposed to be. That's the power of the word of God. Let me close with a couple of things. This is going to come up. Let me, let, me, let me close with just a couple of thoughts on the word. Now, again, I know today we don't really have a, you know, how do you respond to this? This is the way you respond to it. You make a commitment in your heart to say, man, I'm going to get in the word more. I just need to get in the word more. For some of you, it might be a verse a day. Awesome. But don't just read it. Oh, my verse. No, 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 you get that, you get it in your heart, you meditate on it, you eat on it, you chew on it, you let it become part of you. We're going to develop some of these things a little bit further as we move along in this series. But you meditate upon the Word of God. David said this in Psalm 119, uh, I, I believe is verse 11. He says this, he said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. You want to stop sinning? Don't stop thinking about, oh, I need to quit sinning. Don't go read the blog five, no, no, no. Get in the word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin. You develop a resistance inside of you when you develop your faith, come on, to, to resist. You all okay? So set some aside, uh, time aside. Listen, we've got this, like, version Bible that they put out for our mobile devices. Man, there's, like, thousands of plans. You could just do, for the next 40 days, I'm going to, for the next 30 days, I'm going to read a psalm a day. And the, that can track, and that can tell you when you're behind or in your front. Be careful with that, because you don't want to get condemned and then be like, oh, man, I'm, like, 14 days behind. I'm never going to catch up. I'll just mark those as read. No, 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 no. Don't, don't stress yourself out. Listen, you just need to get into the Word. I don't want to shame you. I don't want to condemn you into this. Listen, God wants you to have a connection with Him. He wants you to understand His ways. He wants you to be experience His best. But in order for you to do that, you've got to understand His ways. Don't, don't open up like Leviticus and be like, all right. You're probably not going to get anything out of that. Talk to somebody that's a little further than you are. Come on, how we know that's humiliating, but just go to them and say, hey, what do you read? Oh, man, I, you know, I'm, right now I'm just camping out in the book of John. Where at? Just the book of John. I've read it like four times this month, and I'm just reading it again right now. Where are you? I'm chapter 7. Oh, okay, cool. Right? Or you camp out in Ephesians or Galatians or something that's going to bring some nourishment. Read a psalm a day. Read a proverb a day. There's most of the time, there's 30 days in a month. You could read a, a proverb every day. Well, how long? Until you got it memorized. Until it becomes your default. Get in the Word until the Word gets into you. And then it says this in James 1.22. He says, don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Jesus said it this way. The guy that hears my Word and doesn't put them into practice is like a guy that built his house on sand. 
just doesn't work any good. So when the storms come, you crash. Why? Because you knew the word, but you didn't develop your life on it. But when we develop our life in the word, we build this solid foundation to where we're in Jesus. And when the storms come, they shake us, all this kind of stuff, they hit us, and we're just we're still there when the storm passes. 